0: about the author christine discovered long distance backpacking while surfing the internet at work um are you supposed to be surfing the internet at work come on The Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host Scott Cowan. So my guest today is Christine Reed, and Christine is the author of Alone in Wonderland, a story about backpacking. And I must say, before I turn the microphone over to Christine, when uh, Mackenzie said, "Hey, we should have her on as a guest," she hiked the Wonderland Trail, and I'm like, "What's that?" I literally, I was like, "Literally, like, what's that?" She goes it's in around Mount Rainier. I'm like, Oh, well, my bad. So, um, Christine, I'm asking you to enlighten me, um, about the wonderland trail in this episode, but I'd like just for a second, go ahead and introduce yourself to our guests and tell us a little bit about you.
1: Sure. Um, I'm Christine. I recently wrote a book, but before that, (laughs) um, I, you know, I was just like a military brat kid growing up in the world, doing school and normal stuff. Normal stuff. Um, okay. And I, you know, my family wasn't super outdoorsy. I wasn't raised doing any like hiking or like camping trips and things like that. And in my early twenties, I kind of just got to a point where I realized I wasn't really happy with my life and I needed to try something new and backpacking presented itself to me. Thank you, internet. And I, <laughs> I discovered um, the Appalachian Trail was actually my key in, um, and I hiked 650 miles of the AT in 2015, and then after that, sort of went off on this um, exploration of just figuring out who I was and and what I wanted, and and using the outdoors as a tool in that, and finding my relationship with the world, and. And then in 2018, I kind of stumbled upon the Wonderland Trail myself, and I had heard about it a little bit from the hiking community. Um, But I happened to find myself in Mount Rainier, and I crossed um, a sign for it, and it triggered that like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. And and I Googled it, and it's a 93-mile trail, and I thought, I'm going to just do that. I'm just going to see if I can get a permit and hop on, and I got on the trail the next week.
0: So did you know that the trail was cuz i did okay even though i didn't know anything about the trail i did a little bit of research not a lot but it does not it's certainly not a flat trail so it had some <laughs> elevation gains throughout it so were you aware of that before you strapped on the boots and went going or were you as naive as i am about this thing
1: i was pretty naive um okay. i yeah i googled okay. it and i saw that it was 93 miles and i had done the 650 miles of right. before and so i was like cool like I mean, that sounds great. I got, but, I got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no big deal., um, and it wasn't until I was on the trail that I heard somebody say there's twenty two thousand feet of gain and loss on the Wonderland Trail. And I was like, Oh, no wonder this is so hard. <laughs> All
0: right, well we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to that a little bit, but I, I want to go back because I'm reading something on your website right now and I'm reading it straight from your website about the author. Christine discovered long distance backpacking while surfing the internet at work. Um, are you supposed to be surfing the internet at work? Come on. That was, I love that. I was like, "Well," and I wasn't working. I was finding out what to do.
1: Just in my free time, I was clicking on okay. like baby right.
0: articles. Okay. Well, was that what it was? Is that kind of how it happened? Was it kind of a clickbait type title that got you going? What was it?
1: Oh gosh. I don't remember exactly how I like click, you know, I was just kind of surfing around to different things. And I, you know, I clicked on something, clicked on the next thing, clicked on the next thing. And then I found myself on this really old school blog forum called white blaze um, that I don't know if it even still exists, but it was kind of the old bulletin board format where people would ask questions and then other people would answer. And then Mm -hmm. there was blogs and I just, you know, found these questions, people saying, what's the best way to dehydrate spaghetti sauce for the AT. And I was like, this is fascinating. <laughs> there is just this whole world of information and and culture and people doing something together and coming together on the internet in such an interesting way to share information about something that I had no idea existed and I found it fascinating.
0: All right. So <laughs> Well, no, no, this is this is interesting to me. This is very interesting. So you're on an old school forum. People are talking about dehydrating spaghetti sauce. First off, that's funny to me. I don't know why. I just think that's kind of funny. (laughs) And you hadn't really done any hiking before. You didn't just go out and put a bunch of miles on the Appalachian Trail, did you? Or did you?
1: Not exactly. Okay, Um, so you
0: did a little prep.
1: Yeah, I had about a year between the time that I discovered the AT and that I set foot on the AT. And in the in the year, the the meantime between those things um I did a week of volunteer work on the Appalachian Trail with the Conservancy Building Trail okay um because I wanted to see the trail there was something about like physically seeing it um that was kind of my deciding point so I had found out about it and was pretty sure I wanted to do it so I volunteered um with the ATC and went to see the trail and that was my like yes I definitely want to do this um, and then my lease was going to be up where I was living in Arkansas. And so I, so there was this period of time between about six months between when I wanted to start the trail and when my lease was going to be up. And instead of wanting to sign a six month lease, plus I really wanted to quit my job. Um, and so I Googled uh, jobs that provide housing. And the first thing that came up was national parks. And so I was like, oh, that's perfect. I'll be able to hike. I'll like meet cool outdoorsy backpacking people. um, And then it'll like bridge that time. And then I can like work some crappy minimum wage, like grocery store job in the national park. So I Mm -hmm. got, I got a job in Yosemite um, for six months and I didn't do almost any hiking at all while I was there. Um, it was over the winter and, and all the summer employees were kind of leaving when I got there in August and I made some amazing friends and like hung out in the outdoorsy community, but I Mm -hmm. really, I didn't do very much hiking at all. So I think the preparation I did for the AT while it was the year and I researched gear and I figured out how to do food. And I like, you know, I, I read a lot and I learned a lot and I did a lot of mental preparation. Um, not any physical preparation.
0: Oh, Okay. <laughs> well, so did food prep include dehydrating spaghetti sauce? I mean, did it did. Actually, okay. I did. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to break my rules. Let's, let's talk about the, that trail just a little bit more. Where did you start on the trail and where did you end up at?
1: So the Southern terminus of the AT is at Springer mountain in Georgia. Okay. Um. So I started there. I actually started on the approach trail. There's like an eight mile, um, approach trail to the start of the trail because it's at the top of a mountain. So, um, there's great debate about whether they should just include the approach trail in the official trail, but at this time, it's
0: not. (laughs) Um, so I started
1: there and I hiked 650 miles North to Parisburg, Virginia.
0: And how long did that take you?
1: 70 days.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: That includes like zero days, days off Mm-hmm. Trail Days Festival, things like
0: that. Okay, all right. Now we're going to abruptly shift over here to the Wonderland. Sweet, ninety-three miles should have been easy for you. You, you know, you, I'm I'm kidding because of just how many miles you just walked on the other trail. Where did you? Let's just start where Where did you get on the trail at to start?
1: Um, so there's several places you can start the Wonderland trail because it's a circle. Um, Mm -hmm. and I started at Mowich Lake. Um, if you're familiar with Mount Rainier National Park, you may never have heard of that because it's kind of obscure. (laughs) Um, so there's like Longmire and Sun. I always get it wrong. Sunrise. Thank you. Um, and then Paradise. Right. And so those are kind of the three places that people know. And then Mowich Lake is sort of like, um, off on the side and you have to go through this tiny little town and then drive 10 miles out of dirt road to get to mouch lake
0: okay so somebody dropped you off because you didn't leave your car there I'm gonna i guess. did leave my car there oh you did leave there okay. yes
1: because it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere they have a big parking lot and you can leave your car there
0: okay why did you pick there to start
1: Um, I got a walk-up permit. So the permitting system for the Wonderland is really competitive. And they only give out about two-thirds of the permits via lottery ahead of the season. And so then there's like a third of the permit spaces or the camping spaces available for Um, Mm walk-ups. And people don't do walk-ups very often because it's a big commitment to like take the time off and be available to hike. And then maybe or maybe not get a permit. Right. And so they're actually easier to get than you might think.
0: Um, okay. yeah that makes so, sense
1: yeah so i walked up and and i just said i want to hike the trail the whole trail and and like I can go any direction. I can start at any place. I'm super flexible because that's the best way to get a walk up is just to be open to whatever. And so Mm -hmm. it just worked out that that's how the campsites were available for me to start from there.
0: So they assigned, basically, they told you where to start because of the campsites. Yeah. Because one of the things in my very limited, now we're just about to exhaust my knowledge of the Wonderland (laughs) Trail is that you have to, my understanding is you have to camp in certain spots. You can't just like call it a day at two o'clock in the middle of the forest, you have to continue on to the next campsite space.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and the, the campsites are assigned. So okay. like it's, you know, there are like 20 campsites in Mount Rainier National Park, but your permit says you are staying at this site on this day.
0: And what would happen I mean, just total squirrel moment because if you look at me, you can see that I am not a hiker. What would happen if you wanted to deviate? Let's say you just say let's just say you found a part between campsite a and campsite b and you really wanted to take a little bit more time and just really like maybe you maybe you're a a painter and you wanted to paint something so you're there blah 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 you know what can you do do you are you completely locked into this script
1: um there's i don't want to encourage people to break the rules but sometimes you have to break the rules Um, and, and more for, if there's safety reasons that you need to not go to where you're going, if you're injured or if the weather Mm -hmm. or the rivers or something like that, like the park rangers are going to be, um, understanding to those kind of things. Um, Mm -hmm. but the reason that they have the designated camping sites in Mount Rainier is because the alpine tundra there is really fragile. And like the, just the ecosystem of the plant life and the animals and stuff like, they they are managing it the best they can by consolidating our impact as humans in these camping areas, and right. so like in terms of wanting to do what's right for the park and the space and the animals and the beauty of the space, like you really shouldn't vary from your schedule unless there's like a good reason to. But and- what if you
0: what if you wanted to stay in a campsite? You're, you're scheduled once again campsite B, right? And you're scheduled to be there on Tuesday night, and you're like. I really want to take an extra day here because I want to do something artistic like like paint. Like not da- I'm not encouraging anybody to go out, and, you know, trample through the forest. <laughs> but you know, if you want to take an extra day, is that an option or is it is it super regimented?
1: It's pretty regimented and and okay. the reason I would say for that is that um someone else is probably reserved in that campsite the next day. So if you're there hanging out and then they show up and they're supposed to be camping there, gotcha. then there's going to okay. be like and I would like to think that we're all like friendly enough and outdoorsy people like community enough that someone could come and you'd be like, Oh, like let's just share this campsite. It's plenty of big for both of
0: us. Um, mm-hmm.
1: But of course that's might not, not be,
0: might not be the case. Okay. Could, yeah. <laughs> so how many days did this take you?
1: Um, I hiked for 11 days.
0: You hiked for 11 days. So about what? Eight miles a day on average. Yep. Okay. So it doesn't sound too bad.
1: It was not insane. Yeah, I definitely when I got my permit, I said I want to spend as much time as I can out there. I really want to like take it all in. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, with a walk up permit, like the way they kind of finagle you into what campsites are available. Sometimes you end up with, uh, I had one day where I hiked two miles. And then I had a day where I hiked 14 miles. So it it definitely wasn't evenly distributed.
0: (laughs) Well, the two mile day, if it was really steep, might not be so bad. 14 miles, if it was really steep, it'd be terrible. So how, how was the elevation gain? Was it a lot of work?
1: It was really hard. Yeah. Um, okay. The 14 mile day actually had three really steep climbs in it and <laughs> two steep descents between the two, <laughs> the three climbs. Um,
0: so they worked you that day.
1: It was a rough day for sure. Probably okay. definitely my hardest. Um, and when you look at an elevation profile of the wonderland trail, it's all up and down. There's no flat spots. Like mm. it's not like there's a really steep climb and then you get to like walk flat for a while. It's then you're going straight back down where you came up. Um, so it's pretty rough on the body.
0: <laughs> well, let me, let me pause. Do, why is it called the one? Do you know why it's called the wonderland trail and how it came into existence? I guess maybe we should have asked that to begin with maybe, <laughs>
1: I should know that. Um,
0: well, I, <laughs> I. I don't.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know the exact historical story of how it came to be called the Wonderland Trail, but when you hike it, or even just go out for a day on it, like it's obvious why it's so beautiful out there. Um, the views okay. of Mount Rainier are some of the most epic, and I was out during wildflower season, which made it oh. just like super magical. Um, did you
0: take a camera? Were you? Did you do?
1: I, I actually shaking your head now, folks <laughs> um, right. no I at the time I had been living in a van for a while and my phone kind of had that like my battery's okay. gotten hot too many times and it died immediately and I just thought oh. I would just enjoy being there okay and, you all know
0: right. all right but you missed out on a bunch of wildflower photo ops and mountain for sure sharks and- yes okay. definitely
1: <laughs> but those are available on the internet so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes yes I'm sure they are well, from a takeaway standpoint, what sort of takeaways did you have on the trail that you might not have thought? Was there did anything like we can talk about your, your the, the 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 categories in your book if you will, but what's what surprised you on the trail? Uh, besides a grizzly bear or something, I mean, kidding, but um you know, did was there anything that happened on the trail, maybe, you know, mindset or whatever, that was a surprise to you that you weren't expecting?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I took away was just the idea that as humans, um, and then I guess more specifically as backpackers and outdoors people, that we're all experiencing a lot of the same things. Um, I think that... We as like individuals like to claim our hardships and our difficulties and our self-doubts and all of those things as like uniquely ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and and backpacking is such a beautiful way to kind of strip away all of our um, facades and the, the ways we present ourselves in the world and to show a bit more of our raw selves. And so in that experience, being around other people who are doing the same thing I was, who are pushing themselves to really difficult physical extremes um and who are like out in the woods with nothing but what they could carry on their back like we Mm -hmm. see each other in in more vulnerable ways in that type of environment um and it just allowed me to recognize that like the the things that i was really struggling with that kind of drew me onto the trail weren't going to be solved by the trail Um, they were going to be solved by recognizing that like everyone else is also experiencing those difficulties and that I don't have to own them and carry them on my shoulders. Like we can share those things. Um, and that's a big reason why I wrote the book was to share, to share the difficulties that I was experiencing that led me to the trail and the things I was seeking while I was out there and the realization that like my, my pains and difficulties in life are universal. Um, And that talking about them and sharing them with other people and making yourself vulnerable by doing things like backpacking and also by telling your story about it. um, That's how you're going to connect with other people and share that load a little bit.
0: Okay. Well, before we get too much into the book, let's go back to the trail. What were some other takeaways? Like what was like share with us, if you will. I mean, this is an audio uh, production, but you know paint a picture for us if we can of some of the takeaways that you saw visually on on the map what was like magnificent for you that you saw I mean Rainier for those of us that have grown up around it I think we take it for granted it's just there um it's it's always there well if you're, I grew up in the Tacoma area which you may not know where that's but you know just uh, north of Rainier and it's cloudy so you don't see it every day it's not like it's there every day. but when it's when the mountains out you know it's the mountain out and, but you you just kind of go yeah it's there yeah for you it that was a whole new whole new thing and if you were in school in arkansas and you, you, in all you didn't probably, you probably know, that's a much bigger mountain than anything you were hanging out with before so what did you what did you see what was inspiring to you
1: yeah um I'm going to give like a tiny bit of backstory. Kind of my first experience with big mountains was living in Yosemite Valley. And Mm -hmm. um, if you've seen photos of the valley, Half Dome and El Cap, and there's just these beautiful, rugged, just kind of strange rock formations that are (laughs) sort of otherworldly. And there's like a really magical power to them. And Mm -hmm. after living there, every national park that I've visited since is either like as good as Yosemite or not. And that's a pretty high bar. <laughs> oh,
0: okay.
1: Um, and All so, right. you know, I went, you know, and then I went on the AT and I went to the Smokies and I was like, yeah, Smokies are okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you just, you know, I just, I had this bar in my head of like magnificence and what it was. And, and when my friend invited me to come meet her in Mount Rainier for a day hike, I was like, oh, it's like a national park that just has one mountain in it. Like, that's probably kind of lame. And I I just didn't know. And I got up there and when I saw it, I thought, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And it has that otherworldly, like it's an entity of sorts. And when you stand in the presence of Mount Rainier, like close to it, there's gravity there and just such epic power. And it's, you know, it's I there's a reason people talk about it the way they do, and that the mountain being out is like a cultural thing in Washington. Yeah. <laughs> It um, <laughs> is a thing.
0: You're right. It is it's a thing.
1: And I love that. And, and since writing the book, I've gotten um, a bit more of Washington culture because I'm participating and interacting with these communities in Washington and, and it's such mm-hmm. a fun thing. Um, but yeah, walking around it, there are a few things I took away, which is one, like I am maybe interested in summiting a big mountain someday, which was not something I had any interest in before. Okay. Um, but also There was something really spectacular about how Mount Rainier stands kind of alone and you can really like the Waterland Trail is a circle around it. And so you spend almost the whole time with Mount Rainier in view and you see it from every angle. And I just don't feel like that's an experience we get with something so big and magnificent very often in the world is to just really see it from every side and know that you've stood all around it and like encircled it. Okay. That was a really powerful experience.
0: All right. So we're going to put you on the spot. (laughs) What's better? Yosemite? Rainier?
1: (laughs) Well, I definitely think the hiking in Rainier is better. Um, Way to
0: cover your bases.
1: (laughs) I'm also, well, because I just like think there's, there's just different things about them. And I'm also a rock climber and I know you can do some climbing in Rainier, but, um, you know, Yosemite is known for its rock climbing, Mm -hmm. um, But I actually wrote a little bit about the hiking in Yosemite and about how like unpleasant it is, because (laughs) everything you hike from the valley in Yosemite is straight up a rock face, essentially, Mm -hmm. and they've just like chiseled stairs into it. And that is as unpleasant as it sounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, that does not that, can you imagine being the people that are chilling the the, the stairs into the rock?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, think about the, that. Eesh. It was a, what the conservation corps from way back that they yeah. set up that stuff. But so I definitely think like like Yosemite has a, a kind of a rugged, rocky and that is its own type of beauty. But I'm I'm very much drawn to things that are lush and green and the wildflowers and the rushing rivers, the glacial rivers in Rainier. Were so powerful and amazing. And like that stuff all really speaks to me.
0: Okay. Good cover. <laughs> well, now <clears throat> you did say that you, you know, you, you kind of learning the Washington state language and all that stuff. But, but before we hit record, I asked you a very important question to me and, well, you didn't answer it right. So <laughs> I, You don't like coffees. (laughs) Well, yeah. You don't like coffee. You already disclosed that. So that's a Washington (laughs) state thing. You've got, but because I'm not a hiker, help me out and help our listeners out a little bit. How much did you pack in? What sort of stuff did you pack in? What would you have? I mean, you didn't take coffee, Um, which I would have absolutely, you know, my, pack would have been that was you know nothing but coffee (laughs) i wouldn't have i would have gone barefoot if i could have put more coffee in um what did you what did you what did you pack and how did you you know how did you manage yourself on the trail while you were out there
1: yeah so there's three um like i was saying before longmire and sunrise and um now i'm blanking on the other one paradise Paradise. thank you (laughs) um so those three places where there's like a ranger station and kind of touristy things they have places where you can drop off a food cache and so oh. i had food caches around the trail so i only ever had to carry i think four days was the maximum of food so i picked up food okay. twice um but i am kind of a super minimalist when it comes to um hiking food and i i like to keep it really simple because i know what is not going to upset my stomach um mm-hmm. when i'm out on the trail because the last thing you want to do is like have tummy ache when you're hiking <laughs>
0: yeah
1: um, so i mostly ate like ramen with dehydrated vegetables um yep. and then oats with freeze-dried like strawberries bananas um there were wild blueberries while i was on the trail so i got to like add um blueberries and i think huckleberries um to my mm-hmm. oats which is great and then um almond butter and then like granola bars, Lara bars. Um, I'm a big fan of Go Macro.
0: So it would have gone, it would have gone all so much better with coffee. Just would have, just saying.
1: <laughs> I did just do, saying. I had like a, an electrolyte drink mix pre-workout okay. that had a tiny bit of caffeine in it. Well, that's um, not the caffeine.
0: It's fantastic. I'll drink decaf. <laughs> I mean, I really will. You
1: just like coffee.
0: <laughs> I like coffee. I mean, okay. I will drink decaf. I mean, you know. anyway. <laughs> but, well, what, like, so did you, did you primarily then just drink water? Was that kind of the, the the beverage of choice? Yep. Or are you a tea drinker or, you know?
1: Um, I've packed tea on backpacking trips and I usually end up not. It's just too much effort to like do the boiling oh. water. Um, oh. Oh. The electrolyte mixes are great. And, and especially if you're sweating a lot and you're sweating out a lot of your salts, it can get to a point where it's hard to keep drinking water because your body is telling you stop. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you've lost a lot of salt. And so, those electrolyte Mm -hmm. drinks, and even things like people do Gatorade mixes or even like Kool Aid mixes or country time lemonade mix, like powder, just something so you can get more liquid in um, can be helpful. Yeah, that's not really my thing. But
0: (laughs) you can get more liquid in with coffee. You can
1: get more liquid in with coffee.
0: Well, that's kind of cool, though. So you, you were able to have a couple of food caches, so you didn't have to. So how how heavy was your pack when you started, approximately, um, down to the ounce? <laughs>
1: down to the ounce. Uh, between 35 and 40 pounds um, with water okay. and food. So base weight, maybe in the low 20s. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's not too bad. And and carrying mm-hmm. four days of food is not too bad. Um, I'm getting ready now to hike the Colorado Trail, and our first leg is going to be seven days, And I'm not even sure how I'm going to fit that much food in my pack. So um, the Wonderland Trail is set up really nicely that you can break it up and not have to carry too much food at one time.
0: So what was something you should have packed that you didn't?
1: Sunscreen. Sunscreen.
0: Oh, so you bought the hype that it rains all the time and it's never sunny here. Gotcha.
1: So it's actually, that's a funny story because I had sunscreen and then at the first resupply stop, I left it behind because I talked to somebody else and I was like, yeah, I've just been in the forest the whole time and like, I don't need this sunscreen, do I? And they were like, no, you're good. And then of course the east side of the mountain is completely exposed. Um, And so so for the first four days, I didn't need it and I dropped it off and then immediately I regretted that decision. Mm -hmm
0: okay all right if you were to hike the trail again would you make any would you what what would you do differently
1: um I would start in a different place and maybe go the opposite direction um because you can go with the sunscreen to start with yes and then I could leave it behind after right (laughs) you good no um you know I definitely did the trail my alone um because mm-hmm. i was like looking for solitude and and that kind of experience i think it would be something that would be fun to do with a friend um and i actually saw a group out there for i just passed them one day and they it was a group of five and they were having just like a party time the whole time and i was definitely jealous and then later i found out they had filmed a music video while they were out there oh. um i'll see if i can find a link and send it to you
0: yeah do <laughs> um, kind of cool yeah I okay. mean, i
1: just saw. you know i saw this oh this group went and hiked the wonderland trail and they filmed this music video and I watched it and I was like, Oh, like I saw those people while I was
0: out there. I, I know those folks. Yeah. Okay. Well, how was it? I mean, a woman by herself in the wilderness, did you have concerns? And if not, if you didn't, why? I mean, I would, I mean, that's a terrible statement really, but I mean, yeah. How did, how, how did you, how do you get your mindset around that?
1: Yeah. Um, this is a question that I've fielded a lot from women and, you know, from backpackers, from not backpackers. And, Mm
0: -hmm. and it is
1: something I talk about in the book is just the idea of safety and, Mm -hmm. and how we're socialized in the world as women to believe that everything is dangerous. Um, and I definitely was raised that way. And backpacking has been sort of a way for me to defy that idea because I hate the idea that the world is not safe for women, even though it's true in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um it's just upsetting to me (laughs) okay um but i also you know it's it's finding that balance between recognizing that there are really dangers out there and how to prepare yourself for those dangers and then also not letting the dangers scare you away from doing things that are good for you and that you want to do and in in on my hike on the wonderland trail i was approached by two bears um and when I say a pro- it
0: doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, bears are. Yeah. Re- re- well, okay. and
1: that's, you know, and that's one of the questions too. When, when people talk about those things, I always think would they be saying this if I was a man? Um, but like, this is a, a valid danger for all humans. Um, yes. Bears. Yes. And, and I, I have had enough experience with the AT and other things talking about black bears, knowing people who've had experiences with black bears to know that generally speaking, black bears are not super dangerous. Yeah. Um, and so when they, when I asked the ranger about bears in the park, she told me there had never been a violent bear incident in the history of Mount Rainier National Park. And I thought, oh, we're good now. And also so I was good. really surprised by that. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, that's, wow. Well, yeah, okay.
1: but she did say there were some bears that were hanging around at one of the campsites that had been reported a bunch of times, but they, they were just being nosy. And if you left your backpack out, they would come rummage through stuff. And so she said, put your stuff away, put your food up where it goes, like don't don't give them any temptation. And so I was prepared for that and I wasn't worried about it and I got to that campsite and I did what I was supposed to do and I got in my tent with the rain fly off so I could see out, but I was reading a book and a marmot ran through my campsite and then immediately after two bears came chasing it and they like turned on a dime when they saw me and came up to me instead. Um, so I was like, (laughs) I was in a tent and like a tiny little backpacking tent. So I was sitting down. I couldn't stand up if I wanted to. Um, and they came up and sort of like flanked me on each side. I could have reached out and touched them with my hands. They were so close. Um, and that is by far the scariest thing that's ever happened to me in the outdoors. And they like looked me in the eyes. I could see their nostrils flaring as they were like sniffing me. And then they just went on their way um and Cause you
0: didn't have coffee
1: <laughs> they knew i was coffeeless. less <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um but it i mean it really scared me lot. Like,
0: well, i can way. only ima- did you have were you carrying like bear spray or anything
1: i was not um okay. but i also at that range and i was in a tent like i couldn't have bear but, sprayed them anyway
0: well that's a good point yeah, yeah. So, wow, so i would have um yeah no,
1: it's one of those, like, what, what would you have done? Cause I couldn't do anything. Oh. I was just, I, I mean, I was like, my heart was beating so fast. I was breathing really hard and I was like, please just go away. Please just go away. Like, I can't, there's nothing right. I can do in this situation.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. And then, so they just went on their way.
1: They just went on their way. Yeah. And then of course I moved my tent after <laughs>
0: why I mean uh, just
1: Um, I wasn't going to I wanted to be like a tough guy about it Um, I was in the campsite there was a couple girls who were camped at the shelter down below and I, I walked down there and I was like hey like, if you guys wanted to see some bears, they, like, just went that way. Um, and they were like, you saw a bear? And I said, two bears. And they, like, came right up to me. And they were like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? And I kind of calmed down a little bit by then. And I was like, right. yeah, yeah. And it was probably only, like, 6 p.m. It wasn't late. Um, and it was still daylight out. And so they were like, do you want to come bring your tent and camp next to us so we're all together? And I said, no, I think it'll be fine. Like, they they came. They sniffed me. They saw me they left. Like they know I'm here now and I'm sure they're not that interested or they would have stayed longer to see what I was up to. (laughs) Right. So I kind of told myself that. And then of course I like go back to the tent, put the rain fly on so I can't see out. And then I'm like reading a book in there and I just like every noise outside my tent, I was like, Oh my God, it's bears. Like I couldn't, I couldn't let go of that energy after they had left. So I then did get my tent and moved down by the other girls just so I wasn't alone.
0: I'm probably going to think of bears tonight when I'm comfortable in my house, (laughs) thanks to this story. Oh, my gosh.
1: And so, you know, in terms of safety, like, the Wonderland Trail is a great medium between being alone and being, like, you're at designated campsites. There are other people at those campsites. So even though you can spend the whole day alone if you want to, and you can even go to your particular campsite and not talk to anybody if that's what you want to do. But there are other people pretty close by. So if there's an emergency of sorts, like... You're so not how many people?
0: Alone. How many unique people? Not in, by unique, we're not going to count the same person twice if we can. Here, how many unique people do you think you ran into during the trail? A lot, or you know, just a, a handful, or?
1: Um, on the days that I wasn't crossing through one of the main tourist areas, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe four or five people a day. So like,
0: okay. 50, pretty, pretty sparse.
1: Yeah. And then of course, when you're like hiking in and out of sunrise, like you're going to see a hundred people that day. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. No, but, but on the trail itself, if you will, the, Mm -hmm. the remote, the remote part of the trail. So it's, yeah. It reads her rugged outdoors woman persona started as a joke. And I'm looking at a picture of you sitting on a rock pouring something that's not coffee into a, <laughs> a, a, a water container. You don't, and, and I'm looking at you as we're recording this. And rugged's not the word that I would would, would assign there. Not dainty by any means, but I, rugged is, you know, I, I wouldn't. How did this come up? It was a joke. So how did this come about?
1: Yeah. Um, when I moved to Yosemite and I told people that I didn't know and was just meeting that I was going to go hike the Appalachian trail, I got a lot of like, wow, that's really cool. Like you're so hardcore. And then I would go do like a short day hike with this person. And then they'd be like, you're really slow. And like, struggling a lot (laughs) and we'd be doing something not that hard and I'd be like like this is really hard and they'd be like this is not that hard like (laughs) so it just it was this kind of like I was telling people I was gonna go do something really cool and so they had this expectation of like who I was and what my abilities were and then we would get out there to do something together and they would be like are you sure you're gonna hike the Appalachian Trail because it doesn't really seem like you could um and my defense like i kind of took on this like when someone would question me in that way i would say i'm a rugged outdoors woman what are you talking
0: about okay so it okay. became
1: sort of like a jokey defense when i was embarrassing myself in the outdoors and someone was calling me out on my like okay princess which is a word that is like i I don't think of myself. Well, you don't way, come across but. like that. Either.
0: You don't, that's not a between
1: Princess and rugged. There's like a big yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle of that.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm just, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, this photo and looking at you and i'm like okay no, rugged, Rugged's not the word i would go with
1: so rugged i have yeah. actually also like made friends because my my instagram is rugged outdoors um which right. stemmed from that joke and mm-hmm. now because i do all the outdoors things and i post about it and now i've written a book about backpacking and like people really do think i am that i guess it's the same joke it always was it's like people think that i am more hardcore because of the way that I present myself and the things that I do. Um, but I'm a big believer that you don't have to be good at something to do it.
0: Okay. I'm looking at a picture on your Instagram. It's your book and a cat. <laughs> is that your cat? No.
1: A reader okay. sent so just, me this photo.
0: This, the reader, yeah. A reader sent you this photo and, I, and the cat's like, what is this thing doing on me? Okay. <laughs>
1: But I get a lot of dog pictures with my book because people apparently read with their dogs a lot. Um, And that was the first cat picture I got. So I was really excited about it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's all right. Interesting. Any other takeaways from the, well, I'm not trying to avoid the book. That's I'm trying to get to the book in a different direction. So, but you've also, you know, so I'm reading here, you know, it is a story about backpacking. But it's also a story about, and then we've got a whole bunch of words. What other takeaways from the trail for you that we that you want to share with us? What What, what else did you What else did you learn about yourself? On, uh, is there a nugget you can share that, and then we'll we'll work our way into the book? But what else did you learn about yourself?
1: Yeah, I think um, one of the other main things that that has come of this journey, which culminated in the Wonderland Trail um, Mm -hmm. was this idea of feminine independence and that I needed to be um, a strong, independent woman and do things alone and know that I didn't need anybody else. Um, And I had been kind of exploring that in the entire time between the Appalachian Trail and the Wonderland Trail. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And part of my story is that my mom died when I was hiking the Appalachian Trail in 2015. So... That is something that I was sort of dealing with over the course of this time, and and a lot of my actions uh, sort of stemmed from this idea that right before my mom died, I was trying to strike out on my own and figure out who I was and kind of break away from the expectations of my family and and not end up like my mom in some you know grand scheme of when you're 25 and you want to not be like your mom. Um, mm-hmm. And, and backpacking was a huge part of that for me. It was something my mom would have never done. Um, and it was something that really scared her that I wanted to do it alone. And, Mm -hmm. and when you are in the process of something like that, um, and then the person whose expectations you're trying to defy is suddenly gone and it no longer matters whether you defy their expectations to anyone except for yourself, um, it just brings a lot of things into question in terms of why you're doing things and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that I really left the Wonderland trail with was the idea that there are like more options in life than trying to either be or not be the person that my mom wanted me to be. Okay. Um, And one of the metaphors that I, that I made in the book about Mount Rainier is just that Mount Rainier does stand independent and, You know, she's tall and strong and and beautiful in all of these ways. But when you get up close and you're in kind of the foothills of Mount Rainier, you're just around, you realize, like, there are all these other small mountains around and there are these rivers coming down. And it's just so intertwined, the whole ecosystem there. And, like, Mount Rainier could not exist if not for all of the smaller stuff around her.
0: Well, well, yeah, the whole Cascade range.
1: Yeah. And... yeah. yeah. And, and just this idea of independence and like, what does independence really mean? And can you ever truly, truly be independent? Like there is no such thing. We are all on this earth together and society together. And as much as you want to separate yourself from it, like you're always beholden to the forces of sure. everyone around you.
0: So when you started the hike, did you have a book plan or where did the inspiration for the book? Yeah. Why the book? How's that? Let's put. It
1: uh, <laughs> um, I did not. I did not have a book planned. I was not a writer before. Um, okay. But I was dealing with all of these questions about who mm-hmm. I was and what I was looking for in life, and and the experience of hiking the trail. Just, I had so many experiences meeting other people on the trail, having conversations um, with people. I had a few people ask me why I was hiking and I had one person ask me very pointedly, why are you alone? Um, and those questions kind of like dug at me in a way that they probably wouldn't have if I wasn't struggling with that question already. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I was really trying to explore those ideas with other people. And there were a few other solo hikers that I talked to about independence and being alone and and backpacking by yourself and like why we do these things. And and that's when I realized like a lot of us are having the same experiences, the same doubts, um, the same fears. and mm-hmm. And that's what made me want to write the book because I realized talking to other people and hearing them say the same things that I was feeling made me feel better and less alone. And I thought, I bet there are hundreds and thousands of people out there who are feeling the same things I'm feeling. And if I share my story, it might make them feel less alone.
0: Absolutely. That's awesome. So on the trail, you started talking to these people. And so the, the idea of a, of a book started to, to percolate at that point, see coffee reference percolate. Um, were you journaling taking notes while you were hiking? I mean, are you a journaler?
1: I'm not a journaler. Um, okay. I get asked that a lot. I've just never been consistent with stuff like that. Um, okay. But I did once. I realized I wanted to write a book, which was actually the last day on the trail. It all kind of like came to a head. It had been raining all day, and I spent most of the day in my tent reading a book. And I thought, books, I could do that. Um, And so I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had my map that they had given me at the the ranger station when i got my permit and so i just wrote like in a little column on the side of the map um like who i met every day and then like things that i wanted to remember and so then when i got back from the trail um i got my computer and i started uh kind of cataloging what all had happened to write from so i didn't forget anything
0: so what i'm noticing there's a trend here you use the internet and then you went on the appalachian trail probably underestimating the scope of what you're trying to accomplish. Then you decide to hike the wonderland trail without noticing that, Oh, there's 22,000 <laughs> elevation gain on this thing. And then to top it off, you go, Hey, I'm going to write a book. Cause why not? And writing a book is not exactly the easiest thing in the world either. So I applaud you for your selective ignorance because you you're not letting it stop you you're 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 just like going i want to do this and you have done it so you've done the trail you've done the wonderland trail you've published a book most of us would have stopped ourselves after doing a little bit of research or having a bad day on the trail i don't have my sunscreen we would have turned back i mean (laughs) that's just kind of human nature as i observe it so the book super easy right
1: yeah a piece a, of cake one draft done sent it off.
0: published it yeah <laughs>
1: um it's funny because i kind of thought it would be like that um i do have like <laughs> a bit of a cocky personality in some aspects in terms of like if i just decide i'm going to do something i i feel very sure i can um mm-hmm. and sometimes i underestimate the amount of work it's going to take uh you know there's certain points of no return i like to say mm-hmm. and on the wonderland my point of no return was that i hiked from Mouch lake down 3000 feet and then start going uphill. And then on the uphill, I was like, Oh my God, this is really hard. Cause downhill is easy. And so then mm-hmm. I thought if I turn around right now, I have to go, back, go back up. up. That hill that <laughs> I just came down. And that really kept me from quitting the first day. Um, cause oh, I definitely okay. considered it. I got down okay. and I was just like, I don't, do I like backpacking? I got out there and I just, I thought, Oh, I've made a horrible mistake. Um, and a like lot, a lot of times things are like that at the beginning, right? It's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and you haven't Absolutely. you haven't adjusted yet to the discomfort. Um, right Yeah, but the the book thing, I definitely thought I'm gonna write this book in the next four months. I thought I was gonna do it in four months. That was my imagined timeline. Okay. <laughs> um, it took about two years from okay. from like getting off the Wonderland Trail to holding a physical book in my hand was just just over two years.
0: So let me pause. Let me ask you something. What was it like when you when you held the book for the first time?
1: Uh, I imagine it was like giving birth to a baby. <laughs> okay. I haven't done that, and I don't intend were, to. But I I'm I'm claiming this as my giving birth moment.
0: Were you super excited? Though I mean, was it like yes, a life moment, one of those memorable moments in your life, like you launched this thing?
1: Absolutely. Like I, you know, I worked my butt off for two years to do Mm -hmm. it. And then, and then of course I was like waiting for it to come once I'd ordered the printed copy. And I was just like, you know, 10 days of, of
0: the longest 10 days of your life. Yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. I do have a great video of me opening the book for the first time on my Instagram. If you scroll back a bit.
0: (laughs) Okay. All right. Was there a lot of screaming and yelling and jumping up and down or?
1: I'm not quite so emotive as that, but it was more like.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So from a, from the rehashing the, the, your venture in, in the, in the, in the effort of writing the book, what other takeaways did you, did you find out? Like, did, did your, did your thoughts of the hike and the trail change as you were revisiting them over the the months that it took you to write the book?
1: I don't know if my thoughts changed, but I do think I, I will remember the details of hiking the wonderland trail in a way that I do not remember other big things that I've done in my life because Mm -hmm. of the process of writing and, and thinking about the conversations I had and thinking about the scenery and describing the what I was experiencing, I just feel like that 11 days of my life is like forever ingrained in such minute detail in my memory. And that is a really cool experience. And it's also made me think a little bit more about how I um, take in and remember things like from that point forward. So now when I go hiking, I'm I'm more observant than I used to be. And I pay more attention to things. And then I also have just very recently started writing sort of like trip reports, um, for, mm-hmm. for trip, for backpacking trips and like other outdoorsy things I do, um, almost so that I can later revisit them and remember the details that I'm going to forget inevitably. Um, right. so I really cherish the object that I have the book so that I can go back and reread it and remember the little things that are going to eventually fade from my memory.
0: That's, that's very cool. How long has the book been out?
1: It launched at the end of January. So about six months.
0: And how has it been received?
1: Really positively. I've been humbled and also like proud and, and so joyful to have connected with people with it. Um, The overwhelming feedback that I've gotten is this is so relatable uh, <laughs> you know. well kenzie
0: kenzie loved it she you know she she absolutely loved reading it and uh i was talking to her this morning um before we recorded this and and i was saying i was disappointed because i didn't have time before we would scheduled this because you're getting ready to go on a hike so we wanted to talk to you now before um before you went on your your, your next hike um, that I wasn't able to get a copy in hand to to read it before I was able to talk to you. So I will read the book. I will. I, I, I will. Cause I I love to read and I'm intrigued by it because it's in our backyard. So that's cool. Yeah. And you're, you're interested to see what lessons and takeaways you've got from it. So that's very cool. On a completely random note, the cover art, who, who did that in and why, why did you select the cover art like that?
1: Um, so I went back with a friend the year after I hiked and took photos, um, okay. Of my favorite section of the trail. And so, um, the cover came from those photos. Um, and, and I actually wasn't really sure what I was trying to do with the cover. I self published the book. So all of the mm-hmm. like design choices and stuff were mine to make. um, And, and I had one, actually one graphic design person working on the cover and they were using that photo and it was still just a photo and, and everything was coming back feeling really like cheesy and like not professional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then a friend recommended this other artist and, and I talked to him a little bit and actually one of the photos the first artist had done was almost like a little cartoony feeling, but it was still a photo. It was just like so heavily edited and uh, someone I showed it to, to get, like ideas said, Oh, it kind of reminds me of those national park postcards. And mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, what if it was more like one of those national park postcards? Like, let's lean into mm-hmm. that. And so the second artist who does a lot of vector art, um, was actually really perfect for the job. Cause this is sort of what he does. And so I said, can you take this photo and just make it like super, a lot like a national park postcard in terms of like the style of the art and then the text. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, It definitely has that, that, um, retro feel to it, which is cool as far as I'm concerned. So I think it's a cool cover.
1: Yeah, I was really happy with it. And I think, you know, they say that don't judge a book by its cover, but if you've ever published a book, you know, that the cover is really important when it comes to getting your book out in the world.
0: Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second. So you, you independently published this, um, once again, I'm sure that's just gone flawlessly without any, any challenges. Um, <clears throat> how has that experience been? What, what have you had to do? And one of the things we want to make sure we, we talk about is where, where people can find your book on, uh, you know, available, but how is that? Yeah. How's that process been now? Now you're a, not only are you a hiker and an author now you're a publisher. So you're wearing all these hats.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been actually really good um I I made the choice to self-publish um, pretty early on in the process and I really did weigh my options um, I had a few other published authors tell me you should really try to get published from an agency because this book is is good enough and you would get picked up if you if you did some querying um, and I just, felt like it was something I wanted to do on my own. And I was really okay. interested in the marketing process and, and also the process of like taking what I thought in my words and making them into a finished product. Um, and you know, I worked with professional editors. I worked with a professional graphics designer. Um, I worked with a designer for the interior of the book. Um, mm-hmm. so I still, I it went through all the normal stages that a professionally like big publishing house, um, would go through. But then the marketing um, and the, the outreach to bookstores has been kind of an ongoing process since January. I've been reaching out to independent bookstores. Um, I just recently started reaching out to uh, gear shops in Washington, Oregon and Idaho because I'm going to be planning um, a book tour there in the spring. So I'm hoping to get the book on shelves at places where people are going to see it and read it and be interested. And then when I come for a book tour, there'll be people who've heard of the book when I get there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of that outreach has been really great. Like one store in Washington, I sent them an email and I said, hey, like, here's my book. Here's what it's about. Here's why I think you should be interested in it. And they immediately emailed back and said, we'll take six copies. And okay. I thought, oh, that was too easy. <laughs> um, you know, and so if it's a, a little more legwork and and I've sent emails and then it's like, okay, now should I call these people too? And and it's been a lot of research in terms of how to get on podcasts and get, you know, mm-hmm. interviewed and how to get into these communities. And and I did a, a live interview with um, David from Rainier, Mount Rainier Watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was great. And he's got a huge community that's super excited about Maori near and, and like, same thing with you and Mackenzie, like you've got a great community that's really excited about like specifically what I've done. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that is a cool thing about doing it myself is I can really target people who are like truly involved in what I'm doing and saying and, and interested in what I have to offer, um, in a more specific way than I think when you go with a big publishing house, they're kind of just like, splattering you all over the world. And it's not, it's not as targeted, right. Cause they have their mm-hmm. channels that they go through. Um, so in some ways I'm able to be more targeted and more specific with who I'm interacting with and who I'm trying to market to. And in some ways, like just this, the spray method is effective. Um, and, and they do have connections that I don't have that I'm having to, to fight through some of that. But,
0: um, so, so if I asked you to summarize the book, How would you summarize the book? Like uh, your 30 second elevator pitch. So you're an author. What's the name of your book? What's it about? This is the hardest question. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: I generally tell people it is called Alone in Wonderland. It's a story of my through hike on the Wonderland trail around Mount Rainier. But it's also a story about um, the freedom and the independence that we seek when we go outdoors and and the idea of leaving your life behind and reinventing who you are, and how to how the outdoors can be an access point for that.
0: Oh, okay. That's great. Nicely done. Nicely done. Kenzie mentioned something. You alluded to it, so I'd like to just ask a little bit more about this. So you said you lived in a van for three years. Uh huh. What type of van?
1: I had two vans during that time. Um, the first one was a 2003 Dodge Ram van. Okay. Um, it was black stealthy, um, Mm -hmm. had those little accordion curtains on the windows. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then it was a low top, not like the extended. Um, and it was unreliable at best and broke down on me a whole, whole lot. And so eventually I got sick and tired of that. And I bought a 2018 Ford transit, um
0: so selfishly let's talk more about that
1: are you a van tell, guy tell me <laughs> um
0: okay so on my challenge is I'm, I'm almost six foot four mm. um and i am enamored with the idea kind of like you searched on the internet for things to do i search on the internet for vans and if my wife hears this she, <laughs> you, know, you know so yeah shh, don't tell anybody Evie, stop listening now no, I, I'm curious. So your new van, is it a taller top? Is it is it the, the, the tallest one or is it the mid one? So
1: it was, I've sold it now, sad day, um, oh. but it was a mid, I think the mid height. Um, okay. I have a friend who's 6'3", and he mm-hmm. had, uh, maybe still has the Dodge ProMaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to put in a very thin lining on the roof and still be able to stand up. Um, right. the thing when you're really tall is like, then you're, you might have to lose like your insulation on the floor mm-hmm. and the ceiling, but it can be done.
0: So yours, was it, was it completely converted out? Mm-hmm. And so the three years that you were living in a van in one location or were you moving around?
1: Moving you... around. Yeah.
0: Okay. And we could go down a whole rabbit hole of, of conversations about that. Did you enjoy it? I mean, three years is a long time to to do something if you don't enjoy it. Um, True. <laughs> so did But did you overall, was it an enjoyable experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. One of the things, so I had been living in the van for about only six months when I did the Wonderland Trail. Um, and, okay. and one of the things I talk to people about when they're interested in living in a van especially if they're going to do it alone is that you it's really easy to isolate yourself um Mm -hmm. and if you're not a social butterfly and you're not forcing yourself to be in social situations it gets lonely um and that's one of the reasons i went on the wonderland trail because i was i was feeling that pain of loneliness and just like why doesn't anyone want to travel with me and like where can i make friends (laughs) and it's hard to make friends when you're moving all the time and you live in a van like you're it's really easy to kind of go in your turtle shell right you're taking your home everywhere Mm -hmm. you go and you you can just be in there and it's comfortable Mm -hmm. it's your space and and it can become a habit to not put yourself out there which is funny when you're living such an alternate lifestyle that you think you you are constantly putting yourself out there um okay
0: well we could we could go way overboard on that so we'll we'll just we'll we'll abruptly end that but that's that's very cool and fascinating to me so, you know, I normally would ask you, Hey, where do you go to get a cup of coffee? But we already know the answer to that is you don't drink coffee. So why don't I ask you this question? Where can people find your book and find out more about you? Um, yeah. Sure. Please. So
1: the best place to find me is on Instagram at ruggedoutdoorswoman. Um, The best place to buy the book is at aloneinwonderland.com. That is my personal website. Um, If you order just the book from there, it comes with a snazzy bookmark and a sticker. Um, And if you, (laughs) you can also order the book plus version, which is a signed copy of the book. And it also comes with a set of photo postcards from when I went and took photos um, that are really beautiful. And if you want to support your local bookstore, um, any bookstore can order the book. I have a distributor so they can look it up um and order it for you if you have a local bookstore you really like um Mm -hmm. if you want to buy it online you can do that too from lots of other places that sell books online um but it won't be with a bookmark and a sticker and it won't be shipped it won't be shipped from me with love you know
0: right from denver yes from denver from denver well thank you this is you know i enjoyed this this was this is great to hear about the trail and about you and Is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. Well, on that note, thank you for being a guest.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.